Welcome to the S-Files, sponsored by Serve Wisconsin, Wisconsin's National Community Service Board. I'm your host, Kyle Flower, Communications and Government Affairs Officer for Serve Wisconsin. S-Files is your look into the impacts and stories of AmeriCorps members and volunteers serving throughout the state of Wisconsin. Each episode, we'll be digging into their service stories, or S-Files, to learn about the people and programs whose service is meeting critical needs across Wisconsin and enriching the lives of the people and communities they serve. In this episode, we are speaking with Bethany Malik, who is serving this year with the Marshall Clinic Health Systems AmeriCorps Community Corps Program at the Portage County Literacy Council. So Bethany, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Bethany, could you start off by telling us a little bit about your AmeriCorps service with Marshall Clinic's Community Corps Program? Yeah, so this year I'm working with the Portage County Literacy Council in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and the organization is a small nonprofit with the goal to increase literacy in our community, especially among adults. So we do serve adult learners either for English language or for adult basic education in other subjects. This is very important because adults with low literacy skills tend to have less access to resources to improve their skills compared to children who have usually school ESL programs, and yet literacy skills impact every aspect of our lives. Well, that's great. So looking at that, what does your day-to-day service look like at Portage County Literacy Council? I do a lot of lesson planning and teaching. I teach a couple of different classes, one to two English classes per week, as well as United States Cultural Orientation for Refugees. The reason we offer group sessions is because we try to pair our adult clients with a tutor that could work with them individually. But as you know, as an adult, people's schedules are busy, and so not every client has like a a set schedule where they could meet with an individual every week. So we like to offer group classes to give everyone the chance to learn English if that's what they want to do. So like I said, I do a lot of lesson planning and it's really fun to try to adapt the material to be more interesting and more relevant to the learners' daily lives because these are group classes that we offer to all of our students. We usually have to stick to the basics so we don't scare anyone away with it being too difficult for them. But at the same time, we do have learners who really enjoy those group classes and they still attend every week because they just love that group environment. And so it's fun for me to think about how can I spice it up a little bit for those learners who are a little more advanced while also catering to the needs of our learners who need more basic information. Some of the other things I do, I research digital resources that might be helpful for our volunteer tutors. We send out a little newsletter every month, and so we like to include information and resources that could help people plan their lessons and work with their individual learners. And then I do other projects as they come up and it kind of depends on the need at the moment. 
I will be honest, a lot of my time recently has been taken up with lesson planning for United States cultural orientation for refugees. That sounds wonderful to hit all those different learners and help bring that experience for them. And I'm guessing with the group settings, that really helpful for them for building up their conversational skills? Yeah, for sure. They really like practicing English. And I think as someone who speaks English as a second language or a third language or a fourth language, whatever, whatever number language it is, it can be a little bit daunting to try to practice your skills out in the real world. And I know that for a fact because I lived in Spain for a year <laughs> and I thought I was going to be speaking Spanish all the time. <laughs> But when I was out in the situation at a store and the clerk asked me a question or a conversation with a neighbor, I would kind of clam up and feel like I was going to mess up and not say the right thing. (laughs) So I think it really helps them to have a safe environment where they can practice that conversation, especially among fellow learners who are maybe in a little bit of the same boat as them. And we really like to create a non-judgmental environment and encouraging the mindset of the fact that we're all learning and even I am still learning. I am the teacher, but I don't have every single answer. And so I sometimes need to practice saying, you know, that's a really good question. I don't actually know the answer to that. So why don't I look into it and I will tell you another time. I think it's really fun and really helpful for them. That's wonderful. And so you mentioned doing some different classes for individuals where English is not their first language. And then specifically talked about doing the United States cultural orientation classes. So you could tell us a little bit about those classes in particular and then any others you're doing for individuals where English is their second, third language. Cultural orientation for refugees. That is a new program for the Portage County Literacy Council. Earlier this year was when we first started offering that. And it came about as a result of a new branch of a resettlement agency, a refugee resettlement agency called ECDC. It opened up a new branch in Wausau. And then Later, they realized as they were starting to get more refugees that maybe they would even want to have a little offshoot of ECDC in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which is where the Portage County Literacy Council is. One of the things that ECDC, the resettlement agency, is required to do from the United States government is to offer United States cultural orientation classes to all of the refugees that go through the resettlement agency. So as ECDC was kind of finding its footing in Wausau and then Stevens Point, they decided to reach out to the community to see if an organization would be willing to offer those classes. And PCLC just happened to fit the bill. We've been giving classes since February, but it's been kind of in the works since the end of last year. And so what do those actual classes look like? What's the program look like? How long are they doing it? When you move to another country, there's all of these things that you need to get set up and you need to learn about. 
An example of one of the topics would be the United States health system or budgeting and finance or transportation in the United States. And so these topics are very broad, but our goal as instructors is to kind of take that broad subject and then try to narrow it a little bit so it applies more both to the Stevens Point area and to the individuals we are serving. Different families have different needs and goals. An example of the budgeting and finance topic, we might have one group that comes through or one family because we tend to give the classes by family or by language group. One group might be comfortable with budgeting already. They just need to learn a little bit about the U.S. banking system and taxes that come out on each paycheck. On the other hand, you could have a family who comes through that comes from a country where they're used to using a bartering system. So we have to kind of introduce the concept of money and what money is worth in United States society. And then as for the time frame, we like to do it in about five weeks and we do two sessions each week with the goal of covering at least one topic per session and sometimes we do two topics per session. And then are the topics prescribed down from the U.S. government as part of the resettlement piece? Are they something that is developed working with the families, the people going through it? So there are specific topics that definitely need to be covered. Various organizations have created curriculums that would kind of match those topics that the U.S. government deems important. We wouldn't ever skip a topic for a family, but we might try to tailor it a little bit more to a family and their needs. Like if a learner comes through who doesn't have any children, when we talk about the education topic, which everybody needs to learn about, we'll talk a little bit about education for children, but we might talk more about further education and see if they're interested in potentially furthering their education here and what that might look like in the United States. Versus if a family comes through with children, we might major more on what is school like for kids in the United States? What are the ages that a child must go to school? You know, they have to be in school usually until they're 18. There are specific topics that must be covered, but sometimes it's the way we balance the subjects within that general topic. That's great. I'm glad there's that little bit of flexibility to really tailor it to where the individuals or families are getting all the major topics, but you can really help them and make those adjustments for what makes the most sense for where you are in life right now at this beginning of your resettlement. And then so far, have all the families you've been working with through this been refugees that have come over from Afghanistan in the last year? There have been some refugees from some different countries as well. So we thought we were going to be serving mostly Afghan learners when we started, but actually a lot of different refugees from other countries have come over. So we have people from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, 
We are looking forward to greeting a Syrian family. So really, we can expect refugees from anywhere. And that's actually kind of a really interesting part for me. And I guess one part that makes that interesting challenge then is on the language side, and I've seen this with all of your other courses where English is not the first language, does that involve you having to bring in some other outside language experts to help? Or how do you navigate that piece? It's different for English classes and for cultural orientation. For English classes, we always teach in English because it's actually better for their learning to listen to someone speak English, even if they're not understanding every word. And we can usually use pictures and other resources to help get some of those concepts across. But with cultural orientation, it's a whole other beast. Because these are objectives that they really need to understand, it is vital to have an interpreter. It's also the fact that these can be very complicated subjects. So one of the topics is United States laws and refugee status. There's no way we would be able to explain that to someone with just very limited English skills without an interpreter. We have been doing our best to get in-person interpreters. But for the most part, we have been using like a virtual translation app where we do call and speak to a person on the other end. But it still definitely has its challenges because you never know the interpreter you're going to get. So you can't really give them your materials for them to look at ahead of time. You can't really establish much of a rapport until the actual class time. (laughs) So it's definitely been an interesting challenge and even just a, a learning process to learn how do I phrase something so the interpreter can understand it and translate it properly in a way that our learners can understand. That's great that there's that resource out there to reach folks, because I'm sure that's one piece where for different languages from different individuals throughout the world, you might not have someone in the Stevens Point area that could directly try to do translation, but online or through that virtual world, you could bring them in. For sure, yeah. And then looking at the other adult classes, what did those look like where you were working with individuals where you were trying to teach English to them where English was not their first language? We used to offer classes in person, but now... We do them virtually, and we've been virtual with the group classes ever since the coronavirus pandemic started. And at first, it was quite a difficult thing because not only were we as teachers adjusting to giving a virtual class, (laughs) but our students also needed to learn how to navigate Zoom. Literacy has many different aspects, and you can have a very high level of literacy in the English language, but maybe a very low level of technology literacy. And so it was definitely a challenge, so I'm told, (laughs) to encourage our learners to learn how to use Zoom. But now that we've adjusted to that, and it's been probably a couple of years of using Zoom, I think a lot of our students may prefer it because it means that they can log on to the English class 
wherever they are and they don't have to get transportation or in some cases they don't have to get childcare. It's are you doing just a regular curriculum that you follow throughout like a set schedule of courses with them? Are those things that just keep happening over and over again and people can just continue to attend to help them improve their skills over time? We do have a curriculum that we do tend to follow, but the nice thing about the English classes is that it's pretty open. If I have an idea of something I really want to talk about, and if I can adapt that into a lesson, then that can be really good as well. When I first started my service, I made a lesson about COVID-19 and COVID-19 symptoms. I specifically looked for basic vocabulary that had to do with COVID-19, that kind of thing. While we do try to stay at the same beginner level with each class, we do have a little bit of leeway if we want to delve deeper into a topic that seems to interest the class or if we want to teach something else related to English. And then with those classes, unlike with the cultural orientation, where it's very specifically tailored usually towards one family, you'll have people from multiple language backgrounds in the same class, correct? Yes, definitely. And that is, I think, because everyone is always very encouraging of each other. And really over time, I feel like my class has developed a rapport Even though anyone can join those classes from the Literacy Council, we do tend to have our regulars that come. I think a lot of them really look forward to it as even a social outlet. And I have one student who, (laughs) because I have to text them to ask if they're coming, I'll be like, so are you coming to English class tonight? Yes or no? And he'll always respond, yes. I am looking forward to my English class or something. So (laughs) it's really nice to see how much they enjoy it. And then Bethany, why did you decide to serve as a Mayor Corps member this year with Marshall Clinic's Community Corps? Actually, I had already worked as a volunteer with the Portage County Literacy Council in the past. And so it just so happened that the director of PCLC reached out to me right as I was thinking about my job opportunities for the next year. And she was like, hey, we opened a new position and it's an AmeriCorps position. If you want to apply or if you know anyone else who wants to apply, please do. And so it felt a little bit like fate. (laughs) Something that definitely attracted me was the Ed Award. And then over time, I really enjoyed that they kept offering additional trainings and learning opportunities from AmeriCorps itself or the Marshfield Clinic AmeriCorps. And then Bethany, what are some of your favorite memories or some stories or highlights from your service you could share with us? One of the things that was really enjoyable this summer was we decided to have a little class picnic. So after pretty much a whole year of being virtual and not really seeing each other face to face, we all came together at a local park. We all brought food. We had a little potluck and people brought food from their cultures. 
And it was really nice just to see everyone in person. It made it feel more real, I guess. Not that it didn't before, but just it was so nice to see everyone in person. They brought their kids. You know, I think one of them brought their dog. And (laughs) it was just so cool to see everyone interacting together. It's like a really nice memory for me. And then additionally, really, it's all about the people and the impact we are making on people's lives. That's wonderful. I love all the connections that you're talking about forging, not only just the connections with the classes as a whole, bringing them all together, but also the connections to make with some of the individual learners. And then you have about a little less than a month left to go in your service. So anything you're looking forward to hopefully wrapping up or getting done over the last month? My main focus this summer has truly been cultural orientation. It's never completely finished, but definitely it's always nice to feel like a family has gone through all their classes. So we have a couple of families that are going to be stopping at around the same time and then we'll get like a little break. So it's not that I'll be happy to see them go, but I will feel a sense of accomplishment when we have had our last class together. It's that bittersweet moment of you're really sorry that it's ending, but you're really happy to see them take those next steps. For sure. Yeah. And then Bethany, what plans do you have for once your AmeriCorps term ends at the end of the summer? Well, actually, I am doing a second year, (laughs) so I'm going to keep going with the PCLC. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thanks for serving that second term. So, Bethany, thanks so much for talking about your service with us today and sharing about all the wonderful things you're doing through Marshall Clinic's Unicorps at PCLC. Yeah, thank you for having me. So thanks so much for joining us. And then good luck with your rest of your term over the next month. And then good luck with that second term that you're serving. So thanks for that difference you're going to make. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you again to Bethany for sharing about her AmeriCorps service with Marshall Clinic Screening Corps and giving us another story we can file under service. Thank you for tuning in to the S-Files podcast produced by Serve Wisconsin. I'm your host, Kyle Clower. Your producer is Serve Wisconsin intern, Anna Daniker. And as always, a big thank you to everyone that serves here in Wisconsin. Remember, the S and S file stands for service. And you are the reason we have so many great stories to highlight. Tune in next time for another page pulled from the S files.